Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. A lot to cover this week. Big topics are going to be the Vermont liberal press responding to pushback against a bill in our legislature that would allow children to get puberty blockers over parental objections. We're going to talk about some whistleblower teachers in the state of Delaware who are trying to sound the alarm about the LGBTQ grooming of children and also mass hysteria. We always do mass hysteria, but this time it's about Elon Musk possibly buying Twitter. First, local news. This is Vermont specific, but this is a very good example. This is going on in lots of parts of the country, but Vermont is a petri dish for you to examine for this because it is the most liberal state in the country. Uh, I would guess there are more people in absolute goose step and lockstep with woke in Vermont by proportion than there are anywhere else. Two things happened in the past week to a week and a half so that you can understand what I'm about to tell you. You recall from last week that we talked on the show about House Bill 659, which would take away parents' rights in Vermont to say no to drugs like Lupron if their child says that the child is transgender, and it would shield doctors from liability for giving out uh, Lupron over parental objections. It's an absolute nightmare. Sadly, this week, there was a murder in Vermont of someone, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth because other people won't, a 29-year-old man whose name was Zachary Barbeau. He has recently, apparently, we can't know this for sure um, because the people who say these things often misrepresent, but apparently Zachary recently started telling his friends that he was coming out as a trans woman and wanted to be called Fern Feather. Um, But since I could find only one media outlet that would actually disclose the name of the person who was killed by the name that probably everybody in his community knew him by, I feel obligated to do so. Um, So these two things, Republicans in Vermont and people like me who objected to the bill in the legislature, this has been tied up by the media with this murder of someone they are calling a trans woman. It's not unexpected. Um, I was, yes, initially shocked to see what the media was willing to say about decent people and about people like me. Um, But it's not a shock. This is normal now. It's not okay. It's not journalism. It's disgusting. But this is what happens. So I'm going to start you out now that you know that those two things are tied together. This is an editorial that I saw this morning in the Rutland Herald. Rutland is one one of our few actual cities in Vermont. Quote, It appears to be a hate crime, and hundreds of Vermonters signing an online petition at change.org seem to agree, but we need to let it play out. I'm breaking in here. First sentence, it appears to be a hate crime. How? What what gives it that appearance? We don't know why one man murdered another man yet. We don't know. This just happened. Does it appear to be a hate crime simply because somebody claims that somebody else claimed to be transgender and then that person got murdered? Is it a hate crime to, this is what's happened to us, listeners and viewers, this is what's happened to us. Certain classes of people are killed, hate crime is right there. We don't even know what we mean by that. What it connotes 
is that somebody deliberately killed another person because they were transgender, because they were black, because they were gay, or because they were a woman or whatever other protected class it is. But we don't know this. And is it worse? Is it worse to be killed if you're killed because of one of these characteristics? I don't think it is. I think all murder is absolutely horrific. Back to the article. Seth Brunel, 43, is accused of killing Fern Feather, this is Zachary Barbeau, 29, of Heinsberg, who was found stabbed to death along a Morrison Road on Tuesday. Police say the two met several days ago and had been spending time together. Officers said they were found in a vehicle together Tuesday around 8 a.m. The parking lot of the Lamoille North Supervisory Union, that's Vermont speak for the freaking school. The supervisory union is what we call our school districts, Uh, et cetera, et cetera. According to paperwork, Brunel, the alleged killer, told police he was defending himself after Feather made a sexual advance and attacked him. Police say they couldn't find evidence of an attack. Uh, Medical examiner says the manner of death was homicide. Here's where we get to it. Initial media reports and news releases misstated Feather's name, using an old one, and misgendered them. Rutland Herald, I, th- I thought Fern Feather was a woman. I-, I thought we were told that he said he was a transgender woman. Why are you using them? Shouldn't it be she? Shouldn't it? The LGBTQIA plus community was saddened and aptly outraged. Blah, blah, blah. Here we go. The homicide comes on the heels of thoughtless rhetoric from the state's Republican Party. Then the Rutland Herald editorial starts quoting another publication, Vermont Digger, which is a far-left progressive newspaper. And they say this. The online news source noted Christopher Felker, who has been dogged by accusations of transphobia in past runs for office, also retweeted a link to a video titled The Groomer Boom, made by right-wing YouTuber Joshua Slocum. In it, the online personality calls on his audience to, quote, bombard the phone lines of H659's sponsors, including Representative Taylor Small of Winooski, the state's first openly transgender lawmaker, Digger reported. So you see, right, that the absolutely unrelated murder of this man that Christopher Felker has nothing to do with, the Vermont GOP has nothing to do with, and that I have nothing to do with, has been tied together with our opposition to giving children poison that we call puberty blockers. Because we're mean about this, a transgender woman got killed. And Governor Phil Scott, you should be ashamed of yourself. Here's what Governor Phil Scott said, quoted in the editorial. Across the country, we've seen disturbing hostility towards the transgender community. Unfortunately, recent events show we are not immune to this in Vermont, and we must commit to continuing our work to make Vermont a more inclusive and welcoming place, exploiting fear and targeting divisive rhetoric at people who are just trying to be who they are is hateful and can lead to violence. I ask Vermonters to do their part to ensure everyone feels safe in our state and to engage in these conversations from a place of empathy and understanding. Yeah, for me, but not for thee. Right, Phil? 
Legitimate policy debates can and should be had and should be fact-based and respectful. Sadly, data shows transgender people are more likely to be victims of violence and die by suicide. So it's important to realize that how we discuss these issues matters. Shame on you, Phil Scott. You know, if you happen to be watching this, you know right now, as you're watching me looking at you in the camera, you know that nothing Christopher Felker said Nothing the GOP said and nothing that I've said, which you probably don't even know because you just assumed that a right-wing personality was being described accurately. You know that nothing we said had anything to do with this person being murdered. Why are you saying this? Why do you think that the people you're targeting deserve this, Governor Scott? So we have to go back in time a little bit to earlier this week. The original article that did a hit job on Christopher Felker and me by extension came out in Vermont Digger, the progressive publication I told you about earlier. I want to show you how journalism standards have fallen. I'm going to show you two quotations here. They're from two different publications. The first one is from Vermont Digger's story, which we'll get into in a little more detail when I'm done showing you this. This is from... April 11th, 2022, quote, titled The Groomer Boom, made by right-wing YouTuber Joshua Slocum. That's how they refer to my video. In it, the online personality called on his audience to bombard the phone lines of H659 sponsors, including Representative Taylor Small of Winooski, the state's first openly transgender lawmaker. Now, I want to tell you about that. The state's first openly transgender lawmaker was thrown in there to make it appear that I have launched a violence on Taylor Small. I have done an attack. I've done a transphobia on him because I did call him out by name for his monstrous legislation that would allow children to be poisoned over parental objections. Apparently what he's doing is fine, but me saying that he's doing it in his name, that's an attack on the first openly transgender lawmaker. I wish I had it this easy. Now let's go to the Rutland Herald and see if the language seems familiar to you. Quote, titled The Groomer Boom, made by right-wing YouTuber Joshua Slocum. In it, the online personality calls on his audience to bombard the phone lines of H659 sponsors, including Representative Taylor Small of Winooski, the state's first openly transgender lawmaker, Digger, reported. Yeah, Digger reported that. Digger claimed that, Rutland Herald. Is this where we are now? Some other source which, by the way, did not contact me, didn't ask me for comment, probably hasn't seen anything but a couple snippets from my most recent show. Yeah, they called me a right-winger. I'm not a registered Republican. I'm not a registered Democrat. That's supposed to mean poison, isn't it? You're poison. Right-wing means poison. I don't care if you think of me as this, that, or the other thing. But be honest about what you're doing. What you're doing is character assassination. So why, Rutland Herald, I'd like to know, did you not attempt to contact anyone involved in this story? I'm betting that you didn't contact Christopher Felker. I'm betting that um, you are above speaking to any dirty Republicans, and none of you contacted me. But you trusted a different publication to be accurate, and you trusted them so much that you actually plagiarized what they wrote. 
This language is verbatim. And the final clause, Digger reported, doesn't make it not verbatim plagiarism. You couldn't even reformulate it into your own words. That's where we are, my friends. This is a professional newspaper, capital J journalism. So what did that Vermont Digger story actually say? I'll give you some quotes from it. First one. On Monday, Burlington GOP chair Christopher Aaron Felker doubled down, tweeting out individual pictures of the bill's sponsor alongside a single descriptor, groomer. <laughs> Tweeted out individual pictures. So we, he targeted them, right? He doxed them and he targeted them. Do you know what those pictures are, my friends? They're the, the legislators' own publicity photographs that appear on their legislative website. Yes, it's normal to tweet out individual pictures of legislators when you are critiquing their legislation. That's not doxing. You're public figures. <laughs> Let's move on. Next quote. Uh, well, I've already read this to you three times. It's the same one. Um, Right-wing personality, Felker, who's been dogged by accusations of uh, transphobia. Um, next part from Vermont Digger. Slocum also dismissed statistics showing that LGBTQ plus youth suffer from disproportionate rates of depression and suicide, arguing that being trans was itself a mental illness and likely the result of trauma and abuse. Um Halfway accurate. I did not dismiss statistics in an uncomplicated way. I question them because they come from advocacy groups and they come from studies and self-reported surveys that are not validated. They're methodologically flawed. So I didn't just dismiss them, which is what you want people to believe. I don't care about them. I hate them. So even if they kill themselves, I'm just not going to admit that. Right, Lola at VT Digger? Call me Lola. Actually, don't call me because I won't speak to you. I'm happy to communicate with you in writing, but I will not speak to you orally, any of you. I'll have a written record, but I am happy to communicate. Us at disaffected.fm. Do not call. I won't speak to you, but I will write to you. Thank you. <laughs> Next quote. Republicans in states across the country have introduced a series of anti-trans bills, including in Florida, where Governor DeSantis recently signed a bill barring teachers in kindergarten from kindergarten through grade three from discussing sexual identity or orientation with their students. Incorrect, Vermont Digger. Number one, this is not an anti-trans bill. There's nothing in there that, quote, targets trans people, or takes away any rights away from them or gay people or anybody. It says you may not instruct them. The number two part that's inaccurate here, it does not bar discussion. Words matter, Lola. Honey, words matter. You're a journalist. You need to choose words with care. I used to do your job. I was a newspaper reporter for a real newspaper. It doesn't bar discussion. It bars instruction in basically sex education. It doesn't stop anyone from saying I'm gay or my mom is gay or my dad is gay. That's not true. It's not there. This is trying to leech off the old but legitimate worry that gay people had uh, in 
basically the early 90s and earlier where they legitimately worried that they would not be able to acknowledge the reality of the fact that they were gay, even if someone asked them if they were in a public school, because that would be considered some sort of offense. That was real. That was a real worry that gay people really had. Those were the days when people said, even saying my partner is glorifying a homosexual lifestyle. It was that locked down. These modern people in 2022 are trying to convince you that that so-called trans people we're, they're just facing the same discrimination today. They're not. They're not. Discrimination? You lot control the entire conversation. I'm the one whose job is in jeopardy. I'm the one who has people screenshotting me and calling me a bigot. So are all of the other sensible people who are trying to tell the truth. We're the minority here. You hold the cards, and yet you're pretending that you're on the defensive. Victim camouflage. Manipulation, lying. I could go on and on with this story. Here's another one. Kevin, we're going to skip ahead to graphic A8, please. The one that starts one band the. One banned the so-called LGBTQ plus panic defense, and the other will allow trans people to more easily amend their birth certificates. Vermont Digger is talking about two laws that recently passed here in Vermont. Let me dispense with these. Number one, there's no such thing as the LGBTQ plus panic defense. The, again, this is these people are digging up the corpse of the actual legitimate gay rights movement shaving the skin off and putting it on and walking around like they were us. It's disgusting. It was called the gay panic defense, not the LGBTQ plus panic defense. This was something that came out of trials when a gay man was killed. And the defendant said, I was so horrified by being sexually come on to that I had to kill him. I couldn't help myself. They won't even let us have our own murders. <laughs> Uh, a couple more quotes here, and then we'll move on to the next one. It's going to go a little longer than usual today because there's so much to talk about. Again, from Vermont Digger, I felt like uh, this is a quote from Taylor Small, one of the sponsors of House Bill 659. Quote, I felt like we were moving in a direction of support and love, Small said. And I think this is taking us back to a time that I'm grateful I did not have to experience in the state, but hear so often about in the halls of the state house, which is the time of take back Vermont and civil unions. And that's not the Vermont I want to go back to. I was hoping that we'd be moving forward. He's talking about the days when Vermont was in the lead um, legislatively by proposing civil unions and the for gay people and the backlash uh, with was the slogan that they used was um, take back Vermont. But actually, um, I, I moved here just at the very end of that in the early 2000s. And I don't remember who said it, but the best response to that whole thing, maybe it was our local paper where they did a cartoon <laughs> that said, take Vermont from behind. <laughs> That is how you make fun of bigots. That's how you make fun of hysterics. That's We used to have a sense of humor. <laughs> and we'll finish up here 
with a quote from the governor's press secretary. Asked to weigh in, Jason Malucci, the governor's press secretary, said in a written statement that Governor Scott unequivocally condemns these online attacks. No attacks, Governor Scott. For years, he has called out this kind of polarizing rhetoric that seeks only to divide and cause harm, Malucci wrote. The governor believes that legitimate policy debates, even those that can become heated, are appropriate and healthy for democracy. But there is no place for personal attacks and the stoking of fear. What personal attacks, Mr. Malucci? What stoking of fear? What fear I'd like to see stoked is reasonable fear. I'd like people to be afraid of a state that is making children the legal property of the state over parental objections and saying, we have the right to poison your child with Lupron and puberty blocking chemicals. We have that right. You as a parent don't have a right to protect your child from being poisoned. You should fear this. Why don't you? Why doesn't this scare you? And finally, here's the result of this rhetoric when people adopt it. I picked one, but I've seen hundreds of examples of this on social media. This is a tweet from a Vermonter named Dave Silberman. I don't know who he is beyond that. But he says, It is a straight line from Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley bloviating on TV to the Vermont GOP raising money on trans fear to an innocent Vermonter being killed. So you see, we are responsible for this 29-year-old man's murder. Not the transient who murdered him, the 43-year-old transient. We don't know anything about it. hasn't gone to trial yet. He could have been a psychopath. He could have been on drugs. This could have been a failed drug transaction. It could have been any number of things. But we, we are responsible for this because we are speaking out to protect children. This is a disgusting reversal. Mm. Okay, it's time to take a break. And you know, if the Rutland Herald and the Vermont Digger did their research, they would know that I'm not just a right-wing YouTube personality. I'm also a podcaster. If you haven't subscribed to us on audio, please do. We've got three shows out a week. You can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere fine podcasts are distributed. See you after the break. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio too. We have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom hangouts. They're off camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com disaffected or visit subscribestar.com disaffected. Twitter didn't like our old account, so we made a new one. Follow at disaffectedp, that's disaffected and the letter P, for show announcements and links. If you want our sass and snark, 
come see us on Getter at Disaffected Pod. Welcome back. Before we get into more serious stuff, uh, I promised some people that I would give my theory on a matter of bad pronunciation this week. So of the things I complain about, you know that I complain about people mispronouncing words and you know I hate it when I do it. What's been driving me crazy, how quickly the accent of young people has been changing. And I'm going to anticipate you because some of you right now are, are getting ready to object. You're queuing up that YouTube comment so that you can tell me that language changes and that's normal. Okay? Please don't type that out yet. I understand that. I've been, old, I've been around long enough that I've watched language change organically. So I know that that's true. I'm talking about something different and not organic. Something that happened very rapidly in a way that no other shift has happened. It is, and it goes along with the, um, the Valley Girl Bay Area accent that I use in The Voice. Have you noticed how young people are pronouncing the word important and the word button? I just pronounce them correctly. They pronounce them this way. Important or a button. If you're not familiar with the term, what's going on there is called a glottal stop. But in, that's a glottal stop. It's common to certain dialects in England, Cockney accents, for example, but not mere, not only stereotypical Cockney accents. You'll hear it in people from certain parts of London. It's not a mainstream accent in America the same way. Why are people doing this and why did it happen so fast? This is not actually my theory. Um, somebody on social media suggested this and it sounds very plausible and I'm sorry I forget your name. Uh, but if you want to take credit, <laughs> let me know in the comments and I'll credit you next time. His theory was that this is coming from rap and hip hop. Because hip hop and rap are universally popular. It doesn't matter what race uh, young people who listen to music are. That's their music today. Um, and young people have always taken their cues from the way uh, musical artists uh, do things. But it's remarkable to me. And the reason why it bothers me, and this is aesthetic, right? It's not like we have trouble actually understanding what they mean. I, I get that my objection here is aesthetic, right? Um, it sounds... That, that glottal stop... I, all right, there's no other way to say it. It's a class marker. It's a big class marker. When you pronounce things that way, you sound uneducated and lower class. I'm sorry if that, no, actually, I'm not sorry if that offends you. Because that's the people I came from. That's my white trash upbringing. I remember family members, not in my immediate family. My mother was actually uh, uh, quite, uh, quite a crisp enunciator. I worked not to pronounce things like that. Because I didn't want people to think of me as coming from that side of town. Whether you like this or not, whether you think that's classist, is immaterial. I'm merely describing to you the associations that go along with it. So it may not be that way for young people, but I still hear it that way. When I see a 27-year-old educated person saying, important, but n, I see a six-year-old who says, buschetti. That's the way it shakes out, folks. Sorry. <laughs> 
Let's move on to our whistleblower teacher. This is from the Delaware Valley Journal. Remarkable article. And the phenomena that you will see described in this article, you can think of it two ways. You can think of it as the emperor's new clothes, or you can think of it in the technical term of preference falsification. This is the idea that people silently disagree with a popular idea, but they believe incorrectly that everyone else around them agrees with a popular idea and that they are the odd man out, when in fact the majority of people actually agree with them. That's preference falsification. Quote, well, here's the headline from the story. They won't let us tell parents. Whistleblower teacher on Great Valley Schools' transgender policy. And I'll read you a few introductory paragraphs to set it up. If you are the parent or child, if you are the parent of a child questioning their gender identity in the Great Valley School District, their teacher is not allowed to tell you. In fact, under district policy, the teacher is required to keep that information secret from parents. And the teacher must also call your child by the name they chose and refer to them by the pronouns they wish. Or the kid sends you into the cornfield, doesn't he? Quote, it seems to be a very disturbing thing to me keeping this information from parents, a longtime Great Valley school teacher told the Delaware Valley Journal. The journal is withholding the teacher's name at their request to allow them to speak freely without the fear of backlash. The educator said other teachers in the affluent Chester County District are also uncomfortable keeping the information secret from parents, but are afraid to speak out. Next one, quote, in past years, a small number of kids might identify as a different gender, but since the schools opened again after the pandemic closure, the number of those students has exploded, they said. In September, the guidance counselor gave us the names, the educator said. About 20 children per grade were either transitioning or thinking about changing their gender. We're going to break away from the article for a minute and go to another one. This graphic you're about to see is from Bloomberg News. One in five high schoolers is not heterosexual, CDC survey finds. Is that so? Well, where was this great big bounty of a dating pool when I was a young bucket out there? Because, you know, it was kind of hard finding someone to date when you're only one or two percent of the population, but now it's 20 percent? Woohoo! That sounds natural and organic to me. Doesn't it sound that way to you? <laughs> Quote, The Adolescent Behaviors and Experiences Survey issued by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention polled just under 8,000 U.S. high school students between January and June of 2021. The study focused on students' experiences during the pandemic and took into account respondents' identities, such as race and sexuality. In the report, some 22.5% of respondents said they were gay, lesbian, or bisexual, or that they identified in some other way or were questioning their sexual identity. You have never seen this in history before. Never. No, it's not even parallel to gay people who began to come out in greater numbers in the 80s and 90s. Again, about 2% of us. 22.5%? Really? Do you think all this time 
that 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 we gays who came out in the 80s like me we were just the small tip of the iceberg and everybody else was still hiding even though will and grace and the fact that this hasn't been an anti-gay society for a couple decades really <laughs> this isn't real and you know what else it is it's forced teaming Gavin DeBecker's concept that he talked about in his book, The Gift of Fear, when an abusive person or a manipulative person tries to make two unlike things seem like so that you feel you are on the same team. This is forced teaming. I am a gay man. I am not, bis I'm not bisexual. I'm not transgender. I'm not queer. I'm not some other identity. I don't have a personality disorder that convinces me that I'm the opposite sex. I am not in this cohort. This is not me, and it's not any gay and lesbian I know. Let's go a little deeper. Three in four LGBTQ students said they had been subjected to emotional abuse by a parent in the last year. And LGBTQ students were twice as likely as their heterosexual counterparts to say they had been subjected to physical abuse by a parent or another adult in their home. Quel surprise. Recall the episode from a few months ago where I cited the study for the Society for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine. And the majority of the kids they studied had attachment and trauma problems. 88% of them had a what they call a comorbid psychiatric diagnosis. As you know, I believe the trans identification itself is itself one of the morbidities. It's not a natural state that just sits next to illnesses. It's one of the symptoms of the illness. It's because of the abuse and trauma that these kids are going through in the home. Most of these kids, some of them do. Some of them are autistic. Some of them are more vulnerable to social contagion, even if their parents have provided them a stable and loving home. There are families out there that are dealing with this where it's not a case of parental abuse. I know some of them personally, and I've seen that happen within my own extended family. So I do acknowledge that they're real. They're not the majority, though. They're really not. The majority of these kids are coming from abusive homes. Yeah. We call it gender dysphoria today. We used to call it gender identity disorder. When I was a kid, it was just the common experience of being gender policed by a parent. And no, no, these children are not only being abused by that parent because they're LGBTQ. There's no such thing as an abusive parent who, who actually rises to the level of abuse, but only about one thing, it's only that one thing, and if they just had conformed to that, then the child would never have been abused otherwise. No. The abuse precedes the transgender and LGBTQ identification for a lot of these kids, not the other way around. No, I'm not saying that all people who are actually just gay, homosexual, were abused. You know I believe that there's a strong correlation between that, but I'm not making a claim that all of them were, okay? Let's go back to the Delaware Valley Journal article. God, I should, you know, I talk all the time about how I'm not going to caveat everything and then I go ahead and caveat everything. And the reason why I do it, and it's, it's, it's pointless. I realize it's pointless. And you're probably, some of you are sniggering about this. 
But it just irritates the shit out of me knowing that these stupid comments are going to come up. So I try to answer them all. But you know what? It doesn't matter. People don't even listen. They hear one thing. They shut the rest of the sentence off. And they're just, wow, you said blah, blah, blah. I just need to let it go. All right. Really? Back to the Delaware Valley Journal article. The teacher believes some staff members encourage kids to consider changing their gender, and some kids are doing it just to get attention. They have learned about being transgender on social media or through their peers or library books. During puberty, many kids are, quote, confused and have discomfort about their bodies, end quote, the teacher said. Most of the students who say they want to change their gender are girls. That's another great big reversal. There was a tiny number of boys throughout most of recent history who said that they were actually girls. There's been at least a 4,000% increase in the number of young women. They far outstrip the boys these days for transgender identification. Gee, what could it be about? Oh, I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that social contagions of self-harm have always been preferentially latched onto by teenage girls. Anorexia, arm cutting, bulimia. I'm sure it's nothing like that, though. It's nothing at all. They're all just really boys, these girls. And of course, a spokesperson for the Great Valley School District did not respond, did not respond to the Delaware Valley Journal's request for comments. The district has even instructed elementary school teachers to withhold information about children questioning their gender. Here's more from the anonymous teacher. Clubs like Safe Space, run by the guidance department, are not on the district's website, so parents have no idea they exist, the teacher said. Quote, it's not on the same page as the chess club, the robotics club. Parents basically say they don't know. Or parents basically don't know, excuse me. There's a former school board president in this district who's also upset about this, and he or she sent an email um, to the paper. This was an email sent to a teacher in the school by a guidance counselor. We're going to put this up on here. This is a little chart that follows the student's record that instructs the teacher on how to interact with them. Are you ready? Name and student's records. Grace. Preferred name. Greg. Preferred pronouns, they, them. Parent awareness, Greg's parents are not aware. Not is in capitals. So please use Grace and the pronouns she, they, if making contact with the parents. Greg mentioned that they will write Grace on papers in school since the parents will see these schoolwork papers. What the hell is going on here? This is a normalized, legitimized practice of having 16 different names for a kid that you keep secret from the parents. I can't even tell if the kid's preferred name is Grace or Greg because they reversed it in here. This is crazy. When did this become normal? And here's the district's actual policy. Quote, all persons, including students, have a right to privacy, which includes the right to keep private one's transgender status or gender nonconforming presentation at school. That means that it, they have a right to keep the fact that they dress up at school private from their parents. 
Information about a student's transgender status, legal name, or gender assigned at birth may constitute confidential medical or educational information. Disclosing such information to other students, their parents or guardians, or other third parties may violate privacy laws such as the Federal Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. No. I do not believe for one second that it's a violation of federal law to tell the parents about the clothes the students are wearing or the fact that they're pretending to be a different person or that they're seriously upset because they're confused about who they are. <laughs> the word may is doing a lot of work in that. It may violate this. It may. They know goddamn well it doesn't and that would never stand up in court. But they also know that having this policy in writing is enough to scare and intimidate teachers and parents. They will believe that it does mean that and that they might be brought up on charges. That's why they do this. This is your tax dollars. These are the people who claim to love your children. Mm -hmm. You know, the Trump administration got this right. They defined sex correctly in federal law for the purposes of things like Title IX, for the purposes of not allowing boys to compete on girls' sports teams. And the very first thing that Joe Biden did when he took the presidency, on his very first day of office, we talked about that on the show, he rescinded that executive order to protect trans kids at the expense of girls and women. Democrats think they own your children, and you know what? They do. Are you going to let them keep your children? Or are you going to push back? They're eating you alive right now. All of you. Everyone. What are you going to do? I want to show you another example of forced teaming. This ugly graphic you're about to see on your screen, you see this everywhere. I there, Well, I'll just read it to you first. This is a, a graphic with words on it, and how would I describe this to someone who can't see it? The letter T in each one of these words I'm about to read to you is rendered in a way that makes it almost impossible to see. The colors don't have enough contrast. There's weird... Um, horizontal markings on it. It's very, quote, high art, but it actually makes it almost impossible to read. And it's all done in the pink, pink and baby blue and white transgender colors. And it says, if you hurt one of the queer community, you hurt us all. Did you see what I just did there? It was a glottal stop. You hurt us all. This is LGBT, incomplete without the T. This is your abusive boyfriend. This is your stalker who you used to date who says that no one will ever love you the way he does and that you'll never amount to anything and you'll never survive on your own. You can never let him go because he's the best you're ever going to have. You guys are an item. You're a package deal. This is abuse. It's forced teaming. If you haven't read The Gift of Fear, read it, please. And and this design, this visual design, it's it's hostile to the it's consciously hostile to the eyes. It is the artistic equivalent of brutalism in architecture. We see it in the faceless graphics of people. They don't have facial features anymore. Everything is in contrasting colors that make it difficult to read. 
And, you know, I think that brutalism in architecture is actually just the architectural expression of the cluster B mind, the narcissistic mind, the misanthropic mind. This is brutalism in visual arts form. Okay. One more thing before we go to a break here. I'm going to show you a short TikTok video of a young woman. And this is, many of you have asked me many times, do people like this? Do people who are emotionally dysregulated, people who are narcissistic, people who may have personality disorders, when they throw a fit, when they start crying, when they say that they're scared, are they genuine or are they acting? And it's a question I ask myself every single day when I look at one of these people. There's no one answer, and it's going to vary from person to person. Sometimes I think they're absolutely conscious of it and the emotions. They're not actually experiencing the emotions. They're just doing acting because they want you to feel bad for them. Other times I think they are genuinely experiencing them. And still other times, maybe even the majority of, of people, it is some kind of mix. It's both genuine emotion, but it's emotion that they stoke in themselves. Even if it's unconsciously, they've gotten into the habit of ramping themselves up into such histrionics they, that they, they don't even know that there's another way to do it anymore. That's kind of the way I think about what I'm about to show you here. I'm not going to make fun of this young woman. Um, let's, let's, let's play it out, Kevin. Thank you. Guys, I really need some friends. Um, I'm a really cool person. And I know I look weird and I act funny, but I promise I'm cool. I'm really nice, too. I have a car. I'll pick you up. I'll waste my gas on you. You can play with my dog. Please be my friend. I'm so lonely. That hurts my heart. I don't want to make fun of her. I want to hug her and I want to comfort her. <laughs> That's really sad. If you couldn't see it, this girl is sitting in her car. She's crying. She's really crying. She's not fake crying. You can see it. She's got rainbow hair. It's buzzed down to her head. It, um, she's got a lot of the markers of the queer identification, and a lot of the markers of potentially borderline personality disorder. This is what I think, and this is speculation. You may see it differently. I do genuinely feel for this girl, and I think she is lonely, and I think she would like some friends. Um, I think she needs help. I think she needs good help. She needs somebody who can get to the bottom of what's troubling her, and a lot of it may be situational. You know, a lot of people are driven to the edge by our society over the past two years. But looking at the visual markers, the, you know, the rainbow hair, the piercings, you know, none of these things, as I've said before, are by themselves diagnostic. But when you get enough of them together and you measure them up against behavior, they often add up to what looks like emotional dysregulation, perhaps borderline personality disorder. She's a young woman. And this is... I think she I think she is genuinely feeling what she says she's feeling, but I also think it is a histrionic performance. I think for her they are the same thing. I suspect that she's learned 
that this is the way to communicate or it's the only way to communicate um, and that she doesn't know another way. So is it fake or is it real? Sometimes fake stuff is real. <laughs> Sometimes we express real things through fake actions. Um, there's not much more to say about that. All right, we're up. Time to take a break. But let me ask you, as I do sometimes, please share us on social media. Let people know about the show. Word of mouth helps. If you don't want to do it on social media, tell one friend privately about us. You might be surprised. They might be disaffected too. See you on the other side. You know how podcasters are always asking you to hit the subscribe button? Well, this is us asking you to take a minute right now and be sure you've hit subscribe on your favorite video platform. Click that notification bell too, so you never miss our newest content. And don't forget to subscribe on audio too. We have audio only content that you won't find on any video platform, so don't miss out. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom hangouts. They're off camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com slash disaffected or visit subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Twitter didn't like our old account, so we made a new one. Follow at disaffectedp. That's disaffected and the letter P for show announcements and links. If you want our sass and snark, come see us on Getter at Disaffected Pod. Welcome back to Elon Musk Hysteria. So if you don't know, here's what happened this week. Elon Musk bought 9% of Twitter stock. He's been making noise about being unhappy with the platform and making noise that indicates he might think they have a free speech problem. Then he was offered a board seat on the Twitter board, which he declined because going on the board would have capped him at a 15% stock ownership and it would have muzzled him in ways that he doesn't want to be muzzled. So on Thursday, he offered $42 billion to buy the company outright. And he offered a 38% premium over what that company is valued at by some of the major indices right now. So this would be a huge profit. Now the left is freaking out and the Twitter board pulled some poison pill maneuver. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I'm not uh, up on this, uh, but they didn't accept his offer. And this illustrates something that I hope my therapist is watching this week because we've had this disagreement before. A lot of people, I think most people think that money is the most powerful motivator. That if you're ever trying to explain behavior that would be otherwise inexplicable, then simply sniff out how much money the person makes to get, um, might make if they do it. I don't think so. I think that narcissistic control is a more powerful motivator than even money. The Twitter board was offered an extraordinary, very profitable markup on that company. They would have made out like bandits, and they said no. It's not the money. It's the control. People will do this shit for free. They'll do it if it costs them money. 
So you want to see the left freaking out? Here we go. First one from our sampler platter. Because there are, I mean, there are just tens of thousands of these. People are losing their ever-loving minds. This is somebody named Jessica Gonzalez. And she's um, co-CEO of an organization called Free Press. (laughs) And the Free Press statement was, what the richest man in the world wants, the richest man in the world might get. Unfortunately for the rest of us, Musk doesn't want to buy another expensive bauble, but a global online community that includes more than 330 million people. And Jessica had this to say about her own organization statement. Jessica, sweetie, you're getting the voice. Musk should stick to cars. Twitter should reject this offer. This isn't about money. It's about public health and safety, civil and human rights, and democracy. Yeah. Free speech, huh, Jessica? Huh, Jessica? <laughs> Let's take a look at how she describes herself in her Twitter bio. <laughs> and I found this um, extra amusing. I love it when Twitter tells me who relevant people are, because I'm never one of them. <laughs> so, Jessica Gonzalez is co-CEO of Free Press, co-founder of Change Terms, member of FB Oversight. You guys, what that means is she's super proud that she's on the Facebook Oversight Board. And her little tagline is, Media feeds hearts and minds. May it serve truth and justice. And the free press describes itself this way. We're a nonpartisan organization fighting for your rights to connect and communicate. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because we connect and communicate so well on Twitter, don't we? If we have the wrong opinions, we get banned like we got banned on this show. Connect and communicate. No, you're 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 bloody terrified of what it would mean for Elon Musk to buy it, because it's very likely that he'd unban people that he'd let people speak freely, that we'd be able to refer to men and women as men and women without being called bigoted transphobes. (laughs) Amazing. This is the devouring mother. This is is a female typical presentation of a narcissistically motivated person who wants you to see her as someone who super duper cares about you. She's on the Facebook oversight board. She wants to protect health and safety and democracy. She wants truth and justice. No. She wants to mother you to death, and she'll eat you if she has to. These women are a dime a dozen these days. They're everywhere. They run everything. Next one is from (laughs) the founder of an opera company, um, very woke, Twitter blue check. Strangely, he puts his initials OBE in there, and I say strangely because for a wokey, it has some bad words in it because it means officer of the British Empire. Ego was more important than consistency, you see, right? He's supposed to attack that for colonialism and decline the award, but these people don't decline any awards, ever. And he says, Elon Musk buying Twitter is the end of the world, basically. He'll amplify every extremist right-wing Nazi he can find. Okay, Michael. (laughs) God, it's so dumb. Then we've got Max Boot, who is an author and Washington Post columnist. 
Remember, democracy dies in darkness. Apparently, Twitter's going to die if Elon Musk buys it. But when billionaire Jeff Bezos buys the Washington Post, it's a win for democracy. <laughs> Max says, Max, you're getting the voice too. I am frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. He seems to believe that on social media, anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. Do we? Are you frightened? <laughs> oh. <laughs> this little rumpled stiltskin former Secretary of Labor, Robert Reich, he's always good for a laugh. So he's got an opinion column out this week. Looks like The Guardian, but I didn't confirm. Sorry. So the headline is, Elon Musk's vision for the internet is dangerous nonsense. Musk has long advocated a libertarian vision of an uncontrolled internet. That's also the dream of every dictator, strongman, and demagogue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what Stalin wanted. That's what Lenin wanted. That's what Mussolini wanted. It's what Hitler wanted. They all want an uncontrolled free speech platform where people can say anything they want. That's exactly what right-wing dictators have always wanted. Mao wanted it too. <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> Where's the factory that makes them? <laughs> uh, then the publication Axios says... <laughs> the world's richest man, someone who used to be compared to Marvel's Iron Man, is increasingly behaving like a movie supervillain, commanding seemingly unlimited resources with which to finance his mischief-making. And the strapline? Elon Musk goes into full goblin mode. <laughs> who is this 31-year-old soy face boy? who wrote this, because you know it is, because he thinks that in order for us to understand this, the best possible allusion to make is to the Marvel franchise superhero universe, because we all know Marvel's Iron Man, right? I mean, it was Robert Downey Jr., right? That'll make people know what I'm talking about, because everybody likes superheroes. <laughs> so that thing I'm doing with my head, I, I swear to God, when I think of these people, I literally think of an old school Jack in the Box. Do 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 do. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop doing it so much. <laughs> All right, that's enough fun. Sit down and sit up straight, students. We're back to serious. When I started my notes for this, I. Well, I put the note to myself for this segment, transgender fever, is it breaking? I go back and forth by the hour, so I'm feeling a little less sanguine than I was last night when I wrote this. <laughs> but I think there are some signs that the public is waking up to this and that there is a growing resistance to it. I don't think that means that it's going to happen soon. I don't, think it do I don't think it means that it's going to be smooth sailing for us in like a month or so. I suspect this is going to be a problem for years to come. 
New report. Two women at New Jersey's only all-women's prison have both fallen pregnant after having sex with the same transgender inmate. You forgot to say man. They got pregnant because they had sex with a man, didn't they? Because that's what trans women are, isn't it? They're men. (laughs) This is what happens, you guys. This is going on in states across the country. Men are being put into women's prisons because they say that they're a lady. And many times, yes, Yes, this is real. I'm not making it up. You may confirm this for yourself. Many of these men are serial killers, psychosexual serial killers who preferentially target women and then dress up in women's clothes. Yes, just like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. That is a real character that's based on a real known psychological state. The psychosexual predator. It's real. This is who they're putting in women's prisons. I wonder how they got pregnant. One of the reasons why I think we may be seeing some pushback is the fact that I saw a column in the New York Times editorial page on April 13th that I never thought I'd see in there. This is from Ross Douthat. And that is the pronunciation of his name. I had to look it up earlier. I'd been pronouncing it wrong. It's Douthat. I'm very surprised that the New York Times allowed him to write this. I know that he's one of their token conservatives. um, But even within that context, the Times has been loath to allow anyone to disagree with the LGBTQ plus trans agenda. Let me read you a little bit from Ross's article. Um, He sets it up and he talks about that poll that I told you about in the last segment with um, uh, 22% of young people identifying as LGBT. Um, And he gives three interpretations, three different stances you could take toward that knowledge. And I summarize them for you because it's a pretty long column, actually. First interpretation, hey, this is great. It's just um, these people have always been there throughout history and they can just come out now. So it's no big deal. It's wonderful. It's human freedom. Interpretation number two is it's just a trend. It's just a few young people to have having fun. and It's nothing to take too seriously or worry about. I'll give you interpretation number three in his own words. Quote, a third interpretation. This trend is bad news. What we're seeing today isn't just a continuation of the gay rights revolution. It's a form of social contagion, which our educational and medical institutions are encouraging and accelerating. These kids aren't setting themselves free from the patriarchy. They're under the influence of online communities of imitation and academic fashions laundered into psychiatry and education. One part Tumblr and TikTok mimesis, one part Judith Butler. Nicely done, Ross. And he calls the people who take the third interpretation, he calls them falling into the camp of concern. And that camp of concern includes people like commentator and gay rights campaigner Andrew Sullivan, 
many feminists, it's not just old right-wing Christian bigots. It includes gay men like me who used to be flaming lefty liberals their entire lives and now in middle age are looking around and seeing the world burn down around us and wondering if where we went wrong. He then referred to a recent article in the publication American Purpose written by Jonathan Rauch. And uh, Ross Douthat says this. Where the gay rights movement emphasized biological realities, born this way, etc., and bourgeois aspirations to monogamy and marriage, today's gender identity advocate advocates promote wild claims about the social constructedness of sex differences and dismiss any contravening evidence as violence. Yes, they do. Next one. This risks backlash. It endangers all the accommodations to transgender rights that America is ready to offer. And it also arguably hurts many gay and lesbian young people, Rausch writes, since a system that encourages tomboyish girls or effeminate boys to identify as the opposite sex ends up confirming all the hoary gender stereotypes that made generations of gay and lesbian people and many straight people miserable. Yes, that's right. This is not a liberation. It is a lockdown. That's exactly what it does. But it's worse than that. It's worse than a conversational lockdown. Instead of just making sissy boys and and butch girls miserable with taunting, what we're doing today is maiming them. We're making this permanent. What we are doing to kids, the majority of whom will turn out to be gay, the minority of whom about 25% simply don't act boyish enough or girlish enough. What we're doing to them is conversion therapy. What else do you call telling a child that because she likes to wear jeans and play football that she's actually a boy And that when she gets to be about 10, you should give her a dangerous drug off-label, not FDA-approved, to treat gender dysphoria and stop her puberty, stop her maturation, both of her body and her brain, prepare her to get her breasts cut off at about 13 or 14, and then prepare to put her on testosterone, which will sterilize her, it will cause her vagina to atrophy, it'll uh, screw up her uterus, and will generally require a hysterectomy early in life so that she is a broken and maimed person. That's not conversion therapy. But simply sitting there and talking to a kid and helping them explore why they feel at odds with their body, that's conversion therapy? (sighs) How is this not transing away the gay? How is it not that? There's no way that it's not that because it is that. It's not any different from what the British government did to World War II hero Alan Turing, the mathematician who helped to break the Enigma machine, the Enigma code that the Nazis used to encode their transmissions. They put him on hormones and what we now call puberty blockers because he was a homosexual and he ended up killing himself. That's what they're doing to children. You just want to drag us back to the 1950s and say everybody has to act. No, you do. You not only want to drag us back to the 1950s, you gender freaks, you advocates. You want to concretize every sex role stereotype and say you're a wrong boy if you like pretty things. 
and you want to literally drag us back to the 1950s where you punished gay people by chemically castrating them. Now you want to do it to children. That's you. You are the monster, not my side. And now that Alan Turing is dead, the trans activist set has exhumed his corpse and dressed it up in a burial gown and a party wig, claiming that he's fucking transgender. I mean, could anything be more obscenely insulting? Mm. Sorry. That, my mother just came out of my mouth and my mother just flitted across my face. If you want to know what my mother was like when she gets angry, that's stage one. <laughs> I will not go fool my mother on you, I promise. <laughs> okay. Ross Douthat ends with a couple of, of, of really good pieces and I want to end the show with them. The effects of this debate-ending impulse on liberal discourse is the third complexity lurking behind my initial categorization. Within liberaldom right now, you literally cannot know, outside of private conversation, whether someone is fully in the first camp, more inclined to the second camp, or even drawn to the third. There is a gap between what people are willing to say in public and what they really think, that's unprecedented on any controversial issue I have ever seen. Me too, Ross. This is preference falsification that I told you about earlier. Emperor's new clothes. You think you're alone, but you're not. Speak up. And finally, within not too short a span of time, not only conservatives, but most liberals will recognize that we have been running an experiment on trans-identifying youth without good or certain evidence, inspired by ideological motives rather than scientific rigor, in a way that future generations will regard as a grave medical political scandal. Which means that if you are a liberal who believes as much already, but you don't feel comfortable saying it, your silence will eventually become your regret. See you next week. For more conversation on the dark and disordered psychology that shapes today's cultural and political left, subscribe to our weekly audio podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and virtually anywhere else you get your podcasts. Let's learn to recognize these dynamics and call them what they are. Subscribe to Disaffected to learn how to break the spell. Do you like Disaffected? Do you like it enough to help pay for it? We'd love to have your support to grow and maintain this show. Donors get special access to our monthly Zoom hangouts. They're off-camera and unscripted. We talk about what you want to talk about. There are two ways to join. Patreon users can go to patreon.com slash disaffected or visit subscribestar.com slash disaffected.